we we sang the song, we said words, right? The cross before me, the world behind me. I think sometimes we, myself included, I'm Sam, and I don't think about what I'm saying. There come a time in uh, in Jesus' ministry when he set his face like flint for Jerusalem. He was headed to the cross. When we sing the cross before me, it's the same thing. It's us looking at our Jerusalem. What happens when we get there? We're supposed to die. Don't make any mistakes. When Jesus Christ calls a man, when he bids him come, he bids him come and die. If you can't do that, you cannot be his disciple. That's a challenging statement, isn't it? Challenging statement to me when I consider that. Uh, that Jesus, he said, uh, in the midst of, of every possible desire and thing that anybody could want, where he makes that statement. In the middle of Caesarea The headwaters of the Jordan come flowing out of the rock face. People selling wares, people selling people. Um, every possible imaginable pleasure of life all around them. Every side. That's where Jesus began to say, Who do people say that I am? So Matthew chapter 16, if you guys want to go there with me, we'll, we're going to park there probably for a little while. A couple, uh, gosh, I don't know how long I'm home. Two weeks from Africa, something like that? I don't have my wife here to tell me, so. Uh, pretty close. Two weeks, went to Africa, was a, amazing. The, the, the whole experience of going to Africa and visiting the children's village at McCallie's home of a future and a hope was uh, an exercise in seeing what can be accomplished if a couple of women just decide they're going to do what God put on their heart to do. How you carve out of a very patriarchal society where women have little to no value a, I don't know, 40-acre children's village. How do two blonde women, white as white can be, make a deal with a chief for the land that doesn't rip them off? Later on, when the devil comes and they hire a contractor to build and the contractor decides he's going to rip them all off and he's going to shut it all down and he's going to take the whole thing for himself. God does miracle after miracle just to shut them down. For at that time, Tracy Hills in Africa by herself. One woman. Sitting in a police station with all these Men shouting at her and yelling at her and then telling her everything that she's got. In Africa. 
pretty intimidating, right? But you know God's commandments are God's enablements. God tells you to go. He gives you what you need when you go. I gave it to you before. So she texts under the table to her lawyer. Her lawyer comes walking in. Everybody shuts up. McCallie's home gets built. All the corruption gets shut down. Witness that the children's village has among the village people. I really could care less what the people in the city think. That's another world. The witness to the village people, the people they're ministering to, is, man, that is a beacon of hope in a place where all hope is lost. Living in the dirt. Kathy and I, from the minute we walked into the classroom, start hearing the kids sing, that's not hard to fall in love with the kids. But kids aren't the only ones that need Jesus. And one life at a time, they are changing a culture in a small corner, in a town with a lot of people in it, but... By being obedient. By being willing to cross the street. By being willing to do what Jesus asked them to do. There we we get to hang out with... Uh, I, think, I thought there was nine. I'm going to go with 11 now because Kathy says 11. She's usually right. So, so 11... they are given to a family that stays at McCallie's home so they have a mom at God said no Uh, three or four kids that have AIDS, <clears throat> born with it. They say 30% of the population has it. I think that's a gross understatement. I'd say it's probably a lot more than that, but it doesn't really change how you look at the kids or how you look at the people. They're just broken people. They're no different than us sitting in here. Anyway, we got to meet Esther. Kathy fell in love with Esther. She didn't have a lot of energy while we were there. They they figured she was anemic. And uh, so before we left, Kathy went over and <laughs> she told her, man, God's got big plans for you, Esther. So, was it Thursday? So, Thursday, Esther died. The 
maybe 10, spent half her life as a slave being passed around from family to family. But she's with Jesus because two crazy white blonde women heard Jesus say, Go. Because they went, she has an eternity. That call hasn't changed for for you and me, that call. That's still going on. God bids us come and die. Come and die. Die to our dreams and our desires. Matthew ten thirty eight says this. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who does not take his cross and follow after me. You know, that doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Yeah, you know that, right? Cross is a piece of jewelry. It's an idea. When Jesus said it, it was that thing on the corner that had a dead body, body hanging on it. It was a, is a humongous instrument of shame and gory mess and ugliness. It doesn't mean the same thing to us today. We say the cross before us and we see like a, a picture like Constantine did of the cross and, and we're going to go conquer in the name of the cross. But that's not the cross Jesus went to. The cross Jesus went to was on a hill that he was going to be nailed to where he was going to die. So when he says to you and me, hey, if you won't pick up your cross, your instrument of death, you can't be my disciple. Unless you're willing to lose your life. We were talking earlier. I was, I was talking with, to, to Dave. We are discussing the concept, you know, I think. I think, to, to be honest, I think dying for Jesus is easy. All I got to do is be willing to make, say the right thing at the right time with the guy with the gun and in a flash it's over. Spending a life living for Jesus. Yeah, that's how he calls us to die. He calls us to die, to live. That's why Paul said, I can't decide which is better. For me, to die is gain. I go be with the Lord, but for me to live is more needful for you. Uh, I take the time God gives me and I want to live it out one day at a time, right? I want to follow him one day at a time. So he says, if you find your life, 
if you cling to your life, if you love your life, as Scripture tells us, if you love your life, that, that literally means, remember when we talk about Hebrew mindset, it's a Hebrew idiom. A Hebrew idiom for love and hate simply is, what are you choosing? That's why when Jesus said, unless you hate your mother and father, he's not saying hate like we say hate in English. He's talking Hebrew. A Hebrew idiom. Hate means if you choose to live your life for your mom and dad, then you didn't choose me. If you choose your life, your goals, your dreams, your plans, it's all about you. Jesus is saying, you didn't choose me. And if that's your life, you lost it. But if you lose it to me, if you live it to me, then you find it. You hold to it. Everything that's missing in our world Wherever we're at, we're all in a bunch of different places. I get that. Everything that's missing in our world, though, is missing from a utter and total abject surrender to Christ. Every struggle we have is about a total abject surrender to Christ. Every Everything in life is about that. Will I lay me down and be who he wants me to be? What will I risk for Jesus? sometimes it's easy for me to think, oh, I'll go to Africa, or I'll go to the Philippines, or I'll go to Peru. I'll go. Jesus says, but Jackie, what I really want you to do is get out of this line in the grocery store. That guy right over there, I want you to tell him about me. Oh. Oh, Africa kind of sounds good, Lord. That guy is going to, what's he going to think of me? I hear Jesus tell me, what do you care what he thinks of you? Why don't you care what I think of you? Why don't you think about what I think it means when you won't deny yourself? Take up your cross. Follow me. So let's go. Matthew 16. Jesus <coughs> takes his guys. Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is, is the valley of the shadow of death. It's like Jason was telling us before. It's, it's all the temptations. It's everything beautiful about life. Everything that would take man anywhere man doesn't want to be. Jesus is in the midst of all that. Beauty. It's beautiful there. It's a, the headwaters of the Jordan flowing. They're crystal clear. You can see all the way down to the bottom taste you can scoop it up and drink it it's amazing and there are all these temples along the the cliff side all carved out all promising different things you know if you if you if you go pray at this one you get that if you go pray at this, it's like the stuff people send us on facebook you know the pray this prayer 50 times and something good will happen to you all down the all down the cliff i don't like those things by the way so don't send them to me all that all that stuff along the cliff side and and all these things, nature and people everywhere. And that's where Jesus has this conversation. Verse 13 of Matthew 16 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. It means Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Oh, that's, that's the whole event leading up to what we're going to look at tonight. They're in this place, the valley of the shadow of death, all these things that want to keep them. The rod and the staff of God is there to guide them through. If you will, they are darkness. Uh, Brian was sharing with us before. We are lost in the darkness until Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You have, you have Jesus' call going out there in the valley of the shadow of death, reaching out to those people in that place where all of these things are going on. A place filled with uh, the idols that people follow and the distractions uh, that steal our focus. Money, sex, power, and entertainment. We're, we're set to become one of the one of the first nations who entertain themselves to death. Stealing the focus of the people. And then you place in the middle of that Jesus saying, Who do men say that I am? And you notice what they answered. So lift list of prophets. Give a list of prophets. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Who are those people? Those are radical followers of Christ. Or radical followers of God. The prophet was radical. Man, the prophet, you, you knew him when you looked at him. Camels, camel hair, clothes, and, and uh, burly beard, maybe a little burlier than this. It's kind of weak, but it's, it's working on it. And they, they were radical followers of God that everyone ignored. Right? Well, you always had your handful of people that, that f- followed John the Baptist in particular, if you're Jeremiah, you spent your whole life longing for one convert and nobody ever came. And you died following the people who would not listen to you. You followed them even when they asked you and said, where, where are we go? Where should we go, Jeremiah? Don't go that way. If you go that way, you're going to die. Ah, we're going this way. Where are you going to go, Jeremiah? I'm with you till the wheels fall off. I'm a voice of God in your ears till you'll listen. Radical followers of Christ who people ignore. That's what the world said Jesus was. You know, the world still sees him that way, right? Yeah, he's a radical teacher. He had all these cool things. They're cool with saying that. He was a, he's a good teacher. He did good things. You know, his people are a little screwed up, though, all them people who follow him. But as long as it doesn't ask me to do anything, as long as I don't have to change my money, sex, power, and entertainment, as long as all that stuff can, can stay on task. But then he said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ. 
You're the Christ. Uh, Christos, you are the Mashiach Nagid. You are the Messiah, the Prince who is to come, the fulfillment of the first promise in the Bible. First promise in the Bible. You know how long it took God to give a promise? Genesis 3. Then it took a while for God to make man, right? I mean, we have a few days of creation, and then you have a few days, prayerfully, that Adam and Eve actually walked with them before they messed up. And then you have Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking uh, to the devil, to the serpent. And between your seed, the seed of the serpent, and her seed. Well, that doesn't make much sense. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. He's going to squash your head, devil. He's going to come and squash your head. Set his people free. It's called the Proto-Evangelicum, the first mention of the gospel, the promise of the Messiah. He says, you are the Christ. Throughout scripture, the Christ was expected to be God in the flesh. God delivering his people. The deliverer that would come, promised of Moses. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. People want to struggle with that that phrase because we don't want to consider the scripture in its context. We want to consider the scripture in our context. But let's say, let's, let's consider it in its context. You guys remember James and John, sons of thunder. Does that mean somebody had sexual intercourse with lightning and gave birth to two sons of thunder? Is that how that happened? What's it mean? To say son of thunder means these are thunderous men. Well, what about Barnabas, the son of consolation? What did that mean? That mean he was born of consolation? No, it means he represented consolation and comfort. He was a guy who was looking to exhort people. When Jesus called himself what Daniel said Messiah was going to be, the son of man, in Daniel chapter 7, what was Jesus saying? What did he mean? He is, I am the second Adam. Paul goes into great detail describing to us the second Adam, the first Adam, born without a sin nature, Adam who fell, and then the second Adam, Christ, God in flesh, without a sin nature, born of the seed of the woman, not of the seed of the man. The representative man. When Jesus said he was the son of God, you know, nobody had a hard time that were his enemies knowing what he said. If son of man means you represent mankind, what did son of God mean? You represent God. You are God in the flesh. You are the living God. That's the proclamation that Peter is making as he declares to the people. Simon says, you are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't tell you this, but my father who is in heaven. How did, you, how did you come in here? Peter, you had a, 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 this incredible moment. No, Peter, <coughs> God the Father just showed you that. Jesus would say in John chapter 10, my sheep do what? Hear my voice. Hear, Paul would say, you know, the word of God, it, it doesn't make any sense to the natural man. The natural man can't perceive the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. That's a fancy way of saying what? My sheep hear my voice. If you're not my sheep, you don't hear my voice. You don't get it. You won't see it. It don't make sense. 
Man, Peter, he, he does this. And then, and then Jesus says to him, he says, uh, I will call you. He says, I will say to you that you are Peter, which is uh, a, a, fir, a form of the word rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And, and so people want to run with that. It's a word play. It's a word play. In the Greek, it's a word play. It's Petros and Petra. You are Petros, and upon this Petra, I will build my church. The, the, the Petra, the rock, guys, the rock, all throughout Scripture, the rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us the rock is Christ. The proclamation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the rock that he's pointing to. Not Peter. Peter's the, Peter's the stone. Peter's the, the chip off the old block. But Jesus Christ, he is, he is the rock, the rock. And Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. He says, I, God says, I, Jehovah, Yahweh says, I lay this stone. I lay this stone. Now, just, just keep that thought in your mind and flip over to, to uh, Matthew uh, 21, just should be a couple pages from where you guys are sitting. <clears throat> Matthew 21, Jesus said to them, beginning in uh, verse 42, I don't have my glasses, so I think it's 42. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But upon whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Man, every, every man, every man who walks the face of the earth will get that same opportunity to fall upon the real rock. The real rock is Jesus Christ. And we will either fall on him and be broken or he will fall on us and crush us. One of those is good. One of those not so good. So we're challenged to fall upon that rock. And that's really what we see Peter doing. Peter falls on the rock. Scripture tells us that it's not Peter that builds the church. It's Christ that builds the church. 1 Corinthians 3.11, Ephesians 2.19-22. Each of these lay out for us that, that is God, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone upon whom the whole building, the whole temple of God, speaking corporately of, of the church, is built upon him. He also said that, that upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build it, not Peter. I will build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What's the gates of hell? That's right. Gates of hell is death. And death, where is your power? Death, where is your sting? Death has no power over the life of a believer. That's why a couple of blonde ladies can go to Africa and be available to save a little girl, one of hundreds that are being saved as a result of following Christ. Hey, he says, death cannot destroy the church. To die is to be with Jesus. That's what Paul was declaring. Hey, man, go ahead, knock yourself out, take my head. Go for it. Dude, if, if, if 
if that's the worst man can do, that's the worst he can do. Kill you and usher you into the presence of Almighty God where you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. You have made it. You have arrived. Welcome home. There's no downside there. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Death can't stop it. They couldn't stop Jesus. They couldn't keep him in the ground. Death can't stop what's going on. Then he says he's going to give Peter the keys. This is the authority. He's giving Peter the authority to reach out with the gospel, and he's going to deliver the gospel to the Jews, and he's going to deliver the gospel to the Gentiles. There's, there's uh, two other scriptures that, that talk about the keys of uh, um, being laid out before them. It says, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Both of those are phrases of authority. Peter, you're going to open up the door of the gospel to the Jew. You're going to open up the door of the gospel to the Gentile. You're going to usher in this time when people, men and women, might enter in to the kingdom of God. All this stuff is going pretty good. Then Jesus says something interesting. He says, but uh, don't tell anybody I'm the Christ. Don't you find that a little odd there? Don't tell nobody I'm the Christ. They don't would get the wrong idea right now. When's Jesus going to change that? Where's he on his way to? The cross. After the cross, what's he going to say? Go and tell. Because without the cross... There is nothing. You got to take up the cross. You got to follow me to the cross. You got to follow me. After that, they'll understand Messiah, the one who has come to set us all free. And then in verse 21 in Matthew 16 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things. He's describing to them the cross from the elders, from the chief priests, from the scribes, be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, Far be it from you, Lord. This will not happen to you. And he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. The plan of God is to be understood and accepted, not challenged or refused. That's hard for me. Brian was talking about that Friday night. We all got our thing. That thing in our life that we're disappointed God don't just take away. God doesn't just heal. God is all-powerful and good and loving. His word declares to me that he will not withhold from me any good thing. So when God says no, all I am have left is that it's not good. I don't lay hands on Joe anymore and pray that God take away his autism. I lay hands on Joe now and say, God, help me show him what it is to take up a cross and follow you. 
God said, that son of yours doesn't belong to you. I just give him to you as a stewardship. And you, Jackie, are responsible to teach him the way that he should go. That's my part. I think it'd be easier. But I have other kids that aren't autistic and they're not any easier than he is. They make their own choices, go their own way, do their own thing. It doesn't change my stewardship. God's will is to be accepted. Doesn't mean I don't weep and cry and lift my heart out to God. There's a number of times God God showed me his will and it was hard. <laughs> Esther was hard. Two weeks ago, sat on my lap. She laughed. She sang songs to me. She she hugged my wife. Two weeks later, she's with Jesus. That's crazy to me. Always thought there'd be more time. Been a number of times where God has done things or allowed things that I don't understand. But here's what he says. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will hear my voice. And his voice shouts to me in his word. It shouts to me. It says, I will not withhold from you any good thing. So when God says no, it's not good. And it's my job not to second guess what God does. I have a job. My job is to go. To follow him, he said. Follow me. Hey, guys, I'm headed to the cross. He's telling all the guys, Caesarea Philippi in the valley of the shadow of death. <clears throat> hey, <clears throat> we're going over to Calvary. I'm going to die there. You guys with me? Because if you don't go there, you can't be his. You can't be his. Peter's problem? He was living his life by his priorities and not God's. We doing that? We live in our life by my priorities. I got I got priorities and goals and things. I, I heard Elk Zilla last year. I, I would like to go shoot him. Uh, there are, are, are things I, I want to do but before I die. There are things I'd like to accomplish. I'm, when I was a young man, <laughs> long time ago, I, I had these ideas. You know, I'm gonna, I, I gotta, I gotta have a house by the time I'm 30, and I gotta, I gotta have all these things that say I'm successful and say that I'm a, a, an, an adult and I've, and I've made good choices in my life, and I gotta have all this stuff. And that whole part of my life, that whole first 32 years, is all my priorities. I'm just like Peter. The Lord is saying, hey, you guys with me? I'm going to Calvary. Oh, no, I ain't going there. I got a lot to do. I got I to gotta get a house. I got to have a family. I got to do all these things. How's that any different than what Scripture tells us? Some people say, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy and sell. I'm going to do I have all these plans. And then they said, why don't we say, if the Lord wills, I'll do that. Well, I, I recognize it most when I look into the, my children. 
Yeah, because they have to relive my life. I gotta, I gotta make sure they don't make my mistakes. That they learn from the things I did. That they do better. That they get somewhere ahead of me. What a messed up batch of priorities. Only one thing my kids need to know. Only one thing they need to know. Jesus bids you come and die. He's headed to Calvary. And he says, follow me. Unfortunately, I give the example that all my kids follow. Got to be successful. I got to get a job. I got to build a life. I got to do all these things. I got to have all these things together. And then I look at them and go, why are you guys going down the same road I went? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's where I was showing you what to do. That's what I spent the first half of my life doing. Now I play catch up. Now I, I point to Christ and say, do you hear him calling? Do you hear him? Here he says, he's bidding you come. And if he's bidding you come, he's bidding you come and die. Come die with me. And all the disciples, that, when, every time Jesus talked about, oh man, we'll never leave Peter. Peter. Peter wept like most of us wept this, this morning or whatever time that was. Earlier today when Jason taught says he, they wept bitterly. Why do we weep bitterly? Because the Holy Spirit's moving through our lives, man, and he's pushing out all our regrets and all them things that we are, are not proud of, all those things that are holding us back. The Holy Spirit is washing them out with the, the, the tears that he brings into our lives so that you can then put something in. But you got to let go of all that failure. you got to let go of all that stuff. I can't function if all I think about is where I failed my kids. I still got tomorrow. I still got right now. I still got time. I want to I wanna be able to have God's priorities. And then Jesus teaches on it. He says in verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, I'm leaving, guys. That's what he's saying. He says, I'm going to the cross. You guys can all stay here with all this stuff. You can have it all. There's all, you know, whatever. Money, sex, and power, guarantee it was all there. Entertainment all around you. Stay. Whatever. I'm, I'm going over there to die. He told him, didn't he? I'm going over there to die. If any of you want to come with me, that's what he says. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. First step, self-denial. Your world does not center around you. Contrary to popular belief. The world does not center around you. We need a God-centered reality. If I'm going to deny myself, I need a God-centered reality. That's why in the Old Testament, God spent so much time with the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness. He's teaching them that simple fact. You need a God-centered reality. Where did God exist with the children of Israel? Right in the middle of the camp. 
Scripture tells us they set the tabernacle up wherever the light was. Wherever the light was, wherever the cloud was, that's where they put the tabernacle. When the light or the cloud moved, what did the children of Israel do? It's time to pack up. Pack up all your stuff and go. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to follow God. Did, did the message change from Old Testament to the New Testament? Nope. Only now, instead of seeing God represented by light, funny. that We talked about that on Friday night, right? I am the light of the world. Instead of seeing that representative by, by a pillar of fire or by a cloud in the daytime, it's represented by Jesus Christ. And he, just like God with the children of Israel, turns to us and says, come and follow me. Where are we going? We're going to the desert. What are we going to do in the desert? We're going to be thirsty, and we're going to be hungry, and we're going to be hot, and we're going to be tired, and, and, and you're going to complain, and we're going to have all these issues, and you're going to ask me to do things, and I'm not going to do it. Anybody ever sell the gospel to you like that before? My, let's do ourselves a favor. <laughs> it's easier to package if I put it together and say, all your problems will go away, all your wants and desires. But it's not true. That's not true, right? My, my brother Dave was telling me today, I got, you guys all purged of all the sinful desires in your life? They all go away? You don't have to do battle with those every day? What was the pillar of fire in the cloud taking the children of Israel to? You look and read. Was killing an entire generation. He bids you come die. After that generation dies, we go to the second lesson. Let's go into the promised land. Did the overall lesson change? There are going to be battles and, and, and struggles and trials and all these things are going to happen. And, and I'm going to be with you and, and there are going to be times I'm going to deliver you. And there are going to be times you're going to struggle through it. But, but the point of it all is I'm right there in the middle of it all with you. I'm right here. I'm not asking you to go do something I didn't do. I'm not asking you to take a walk I didn't take. I'm showing you the way to life, eternal. Come, follow me. Man, we want to follow him, but we got to deny ourselves. God needs to be the central figure in our life, not me. There can be no glory hounds. God will not share his glory with another. You're a glory hound. God can't use you for him, him. Exalt him, lift him up. It's all about him. So first he says, deny himself. What's the second phrase? Take up his cross. Oh, first self-denial, second sacrifice. First deny yourself, make God central. It's all about him, it's all for him. He is the reason I eat, breathe, drink. The purpose for waking up in the morning. If the purpose for waking up in the morning is going to work, your priorities are jacked up, fix it. The purpose for waking up in the morning is Jesus Christ. The purpose for having a family is Jesus Christ. The purpose for following in, falling in love and, and having a family is to glorify Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ in my kids. It's Jesus Christ in my wife. It's Jesus Christ in my job. And whatever they think about it, they think about it. But 
Then I come to the place of sacrifice. It is better to lose your life than to waste it. Hear those words. It is better to lose your life than waste it. Do not waste. I wish I understood that when I was a young man. I threw a lot of years away. And I have this crazy, uh, 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 I don't know, what's the word? I don't know. It doesn't matter. This propulsion, this thing that's, what do you call it? Compulsion. Thank you. This crazy compulsion. What do we call that? It's the love of Christ that compels us. This compulsion. I got to speak. I got I to gotta share. I got to let what's inside of me out. If I am not in that place, if I don't have this thing inside of me that wants out, like this, this alien that wants to crawl out of my chest and show everybody, look, I'm here in the middle of Jesus. Jesus right here in the middle of my chest. Everybody needs to see him. Everybody needs to hear him. Everybody needs to know him. He's here. He's with me. It's got to come out. That compulsion's got to come. So the question is, what will you risk to tell, tell someone about Jesus? And the sad thing is, <clears throat> sometimes that's a s- small list. What, what will you risk? Are, are you, will you risk being thought stupid? Or thought lame? Or uncool? Or what will you risk? Look, you live in the U.S. Ain't nobody's coming to lop your head off anytime soon. What will you risk? Will you risk that guy not wanting to be your friend anymore? If I tell him about Jesus, what if he don't want to be my friend? What if you spend your whole life skirting around the issue and then he dies? Do you wasted it. It's better to lose it than to waste it. So what will we risk to tell someone about Jesus? That's the place of sacrifice. That is deny yourself and take up your cross. If you were carrying a cross, you looked weird to everybody in the time of Christ. You get that? Nobody had crosses for jewelry, no earrings, no nose rings, no chains around her neck with a cross hanging on it. It didn't, didn't symbolize some holy thing. It symbolized somebody who was like crazy. What are you doing with a cross, bro? That's, that's how people die. You stuck out. You stuck out. Are you willing to stick out for Christ? Are you willing to come out from among them and be ye holy, separate, different, Will you take up your cross? What will you risk? Second Samuel chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> Joab and Abishai are facing a battle. They come together for the battle. And, and, and Joab's looking at Abishai and they're thinking, it's a crazy battle. And man, I don't know. I don't know if God's going to show up or not. He's, he might not be here. I don't know what's going to happen today. We may all die. So he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, you come help me. But if the people are, of Ammon are too strong for you, then I'll come help you. So they're surrounded. So I'm going to go over, take this part of the army over here. We're going to fight over here. And if I'm getting whipped, come help me. And, and if you're getting whipped, I'll come help you. And then he says this, be of good courage and let us be strong for our people, for the cities of our God. 
And may the Lord do whatever's good in his sight. Can you say that? Can you say that when you're when you're confronted with a, that neighbor, that family person that 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 you feel the unction of God telling you go share, go go tell them about me. You say you're a follower of me. I, I'm just asking you to go share. You say you love me. You say I'm central in your life and I'm a big part of your life. And and I, I hear you talk about your girlfriend a lot, or I hear you talk about your wife. I hear you talk about your kids all the time. Are you talking about me? Go tell them about me. You say I'm there. Go tell them. Can we like Joab and Abishai look at the situation and say, oh, God's got to do it. God's going to do what he's going to do. If I got to look stupid for God, I'll go look stupid for God. Are you okay with that? What will you risk to tell someone about Christ? What about Esther? Esther standing before Mordecai getting ready to go see the king. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will, will fast likewise, and I will go see the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. If they think I'm lame, they think I'm lame. Can you do it? We're not before the cross, gentlemen. We're after the cross. Jesus is not saying, don't go tell nobody I'm the Christ. He's saying, go tell everyone. Follow me to the cross. Now go and tell. Follow me to the cross. What will you risk? Will you be like Esther? If I perish, I perish. What about Rakshak and Benny? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We talked about them. They answered and said to king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If... That is the case. Our God is able. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar says, who can save you from my hands? I'm going to kill you if you don't bow. Look, dude, if you want to kill us, our God is able. I love this. Our God is able. He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. What are they saying? He will deliver us. Were they seeing the future? Did they see a vision and know that they were going to not die? No. How were they going to be delivered from his hand? They're saying, look, all you can do is kill us. And when you kill us, we'll, we'll be with God. So our God will deliver us from your hand. All you can do is what you have power to do right now. And even if he does not, even if he doesn't save us, let it be known to you, O king, we will not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image which you set up. Even if God don't give you kids. Even if God doesn't heal my son. Even if God doesn't heal your mom of cancer or your, your aunt that's struggling. Even if God doesn't take away the pangs of your addiction. It's all the same, isn't it? Just a different statue. Even if he don't. Even if I fight that battle every day. He will deliver me. From your hands, devil. I'm going to be with him one day. And even if he don't, I'm not ever bowing. I'm done. I'm moving on. I want my lines, my colors to be clear. Who I'm with, I'm with Christ. It's me and him. What about Paul in Acts chapter 20? Paul in Acts chapter 20 says, that <clears throat> The Holy Spirit is testifying everywhere. He's looking as he's on his road to Jerusalem. 
Everywhere I go, man, people telling me I'm going to die and I'm going to get beat and all these bad things are going to happen to me. So Paul says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies everywhere, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What moves you? What does it take to get you to quit? Paul said, they're waiting to arrest me as soon as I get there. Saeed, before he ever went to Iran on Facebook, said, I, you know, I, I, he mentioned, I, I, may be, I may get arrested when I get there. None of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. I'm going to finish my race. Jesus is standing on top of that hill and he's bidding me to come. And part of bidding me to come means I'm going to come and die. And that means I'm going to die to all this thing where I, I think I've got to worry about my rep. That's the first thing needs crucified. What everybody else thinks of you, what everybody else thinks of me, but let it be that it's, it's him, it's for his glory, for his praise. I'm, I'm going to him. I want to have the voice of Paul. I want to say none of these things move me. So when I'm standing in that line and God says, Jackie, go tell that guy about the gospel, I just walk over and tell him about the gospel. Yeah, I, got an easy, I got a great opening line. Hi. Hey, my name's Jackie. I'm pastor at Calvary Chapel Buell. Guess what just happened? <laughs> He's afraid to curse and do anything in my presence now. And he, he may turn and run, but he's, he's ready for what's about to come. It's really that easy. What will you risk? What about Paul in Acts 21? In Acts 21 it says, he came... When he came to us, he took Paul's belt, this is Agabus, and he bound his own hands and feet, and he said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, the Jews will do this in Jerusalem. They'll bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and those who were with us, we pleaded with him, Don't go, don't go, don't go. Paul, don't go. They're going to kill you when you go. Paul, stop. Don't do it. It's cost you too much. It's, it's too expensive. You know, if you don't first figure out what you're going to do in life and, and get your career all lined out, if you don't first figure out where you're going to live and what you're going to do, come on, we've got to be prudent. We've got to be sensible about this. And we've got to have all these things. Don't follow Christ yet. Just wait. That those are the words of the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. For you do not have the things in mind of God. That's what they told Paul. Paul said, what are you guys doing? What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem for the, for the name of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> we did... Levi did devotion. Dave's doing the devotion later. In the devotion, <clears throat> people are coming to Jesus. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, uh, I don't really have anywhere to go. You still want to come? And he looked over at another guy. So you follow me. Well, first let me go bury my father. Let the dead bury the dead. Follow me now. Follow me now. Right now. Where you're at. I don't care if you're 12. Follow me now. I don't care if you're 80. Follow me now. 
but I have all these plans and things I got to get all these. No, you don't got to do nothing. Say, if the Lord will, I'll do this. If the Lord will, I'll do that. But in the meantime, I got to go. I got to go. I guarantee you guys spend time talking about Papak. I bet somebody told him not to do what he did. I guarantee you somebody told him, don't do that. Doesn't make sense, Bob. Don't go there. Don't do what God's calling you. Do it this way or wait until you can figure this stuff out. The only thing I'm grateful for is, is I only thought it. I didn't say it too loud. <laughs> what you got to follow. If God's calling, you got to go. Go. Just go. And go now. Don't go later. Don't go later. You go now. You go right now. The third thing he said, he said to deny yourself, take up your cross. What's the next one? Follow me. Oh, that's submission. Yeah, that's rough for us. Jason can't stand to ride shotgun with me in a car. He cannot stand it. To be honest, I don't like it any better than he does. How come? I want to be in control. Uh, if I think he's too close to that guy, I want to be able to slow down and get, get away from him. If I think he's going too slow, I want to be able to speed up. If I think he should go left, if we're going somewhere, I think you should turn here. What are you doing? That's the long way. Men have a desire to be in control. Jesus is telling you, stop. Let go. Of your control. Follow me. Go where I go. Oh. When I was 10 years old. I wanted to go be a missionary. In Africa. And I got busy about life. And doing all this stuff. I raised my kids. And they were grown. And they went out. And then I adopted this little girl. Born to meth addict parents. McCallie. And when McCallie's 10 years old, I watch a thing on TV and it's Africa. And there's this boy carrying his little sister on his back. And I think, I need to go to Africa. Oh, you probably shouldn't. You're a successful nurse. You have a successful business. You got a successful life. Send them some money. I got to go. I got to go. There are little children right now bouncing around the feet of Jesus in heaven. Because that woman said, I got to go follow Jesus. I'm not the one making a call. It's him. I got to go. Don't make sense. Don't make sense. I got to go. You got to go where God calls you to go. Got to be where God calls you to be. I'd be happy if Bob stayed with us forever, but God called Bob someplace else. So, Bob, we love you to pieces. Go be a blessing. Let God use you there. He's got somebody right there, somebody for you to, you're going to change your life. You're going to direct them to Christ. That's why he's got you there. That's why he's got Joshie there. That's why Chris is there. He's got a plan for, for Brian is out in, in uh, California. He thought the plan was different. Brian Daly, he thought it was different. But it turns out, 
It wasn't the plan he thought the plan was, but it's still the plan. And he's where God wants him to be. I'd have been happy he stayed here with us forever. But God called, you got to go. God calls, you got to go. There are a lot of men in here right now, God's calling you. You hear it right now. You hear it. He's saying, yeah, got to go. Submit, follow him. His will on earth as it is in heaven. His word, His will in my life. His will. Whatever you got. It's me and you till the wheels fall off. And then Jesus makes a statement <clears throat> about the profit of it all. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to live for this world... You lost it. If you want to live for this world, you lost it. If you want to live for this world, it's gone. You want to live for him, you find it. If you're dry, if you're having a hard time hearing, we talked about still being in the darkness, not coming out to light. We talk about being caught in the trappings of the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, Stop loving the world. He who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You got to love him. He's the treasure. Let life go. Let it all go. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? That should be scary. I'm not trying to give a teaching on eternal security. I don't know if I would if I wanted to. I'm just saying don't love this life. Don't love this world. Don't stay in this place. Don't live for this place. There's no profit here. No profit. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? That moment when you see Jesus face to face. One chance in your entire life. You have one life to live. That life you live it out. Don't waste that life. You risk that life. You take the risk God's calling you to take. You do the things God's calling you to take to do. You go, you go, you go, you go. You got one chance. You got one chance. Only one chance. On that day when you stand before him, what would you give to do it again? pray more would you read more would you tell more people what would you do you're there you're standing there you're walking in the glory you're standing before here he comes the our savior your eyes are seeing him for the first time you're just you're just filled with with all the love and the the everything that is him and he's coming and you and you're gonna you're, you're about to have that moment you're about to have that moment and that second before it all happens you really think the thought about your major, your career, the things of this world are going to matter? One chance. One chance to live it. One chance to give it all. One chance to lay it all out before him. And then Jesus gives the promise. He gives this promise. Look at it. For the Son of Man will come in glory in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. For the disciples, they saw the transfiguration. It's the next chapter. 
They saw Jesus revealed. There was no question. Are you the Messiah? Oh, I see you glowing. I see you as I would see you in heaven. Man, this is amazing. This is incredible. I see the kingdom for you and I. There are some here and might not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You only got so much time. And this ain't the place. This is easy. This is easy. Motion up here and getting excited and saying, yeah, this is easy. What's, what's hard is when you get on it, go down the hill, you drive on, you come into town, you pull in a driveway, <clears throat> your children have been bad, they got suspended from school, uh, little Johnny got in a fight, uh, your, your, your aunt or uncle or brother or sister or cat or dog or something, there's all kind of chaos waiting down there for you. It ain't whether you can do it up here. Will you do it down there? You guys all, I'm, I'm a pessimist. I always, I have a tendency to see who's not here. I don't like that about me. <clears throat> God brought you guys here because he wanted you. He wanted you to hear the messages this weekend. One more to come, wrapping it all up, bringing it all, tying it in a bow, setting it down before you and saying, now go, 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 go die. Go lay it all out for him. One life, don't waste it. One life, don't waste it. Risk it. Risk it. Do you know the high of of having a guy receive Jesus Christ right in front of you? Oh, man, it's off the hook. It is unreal. Do you know the low of watching somebody reject it and then die? You don't get one way out the other. Everybody don't believe. Everybody don't receive. So man up. Sometimes you got to take it on the chin. Sometimes you roll. You get popped. You may get popped ten times. You may be God's Jeremiah for this age. You got one life. One chance. And you go and everyone you tell rejects everything you have to say. He calls you stupid and ugly. You smell bad. You worthless. Good for nothing. Get away from me. They see you coming. They go to the other side of the road. They don't want to look at you. Cares what they think. You stand before Jesus and he says, man, you followed me. That's how they treated me. That's how they saw me. That's how they acted when I was walking down the road. The student is not greater than the master. How they treated me, they will treat you one life, one life. Risk it. Don't waste it. Risk it. Risk it. Lay it out. Lay it down. Man, we got to... We got an opportunity tonight. I'm done. I'll stop talking. We got an opportunity tonight. We're going to just kind of lay it out before God. We got a chance for receiving communion. But I know as a matter of absolute fact, 
There are men here tonight who are still sitting in darkness and just hoping they can survive to the end of this. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. So you're going to lay down that darkness. You're going to confess that sin to the Lord. You're going to get out of the darkness and follow Jesus into the light. You're going to go. He said, I'm the light. Come, follow me, follow me, follow me. Some of us are caught in the valley of the shadow of death, all the trappings of the world all around us, and we just want to hang out and, and stay there and hoping we can get through this weekend. But you can't get through this weekend. You're going you're gonna to lay that down. You're going to confess it. You're going to lay it down. When you come to the table right there, that's Calvary. That's holy. That's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Broken for you. Broken for me. When you come there, you hear yourself answering. Jesus standing at that table, just right there where all that stuff is. And he's saying, I'm going to the cross. You coming with me? Then deny yourself. Take up your cross. Risk. Submit. Follow me. So when you come, we're going to do worship. We're going to pray. Look, you can go play games a million times. You get this moment now, that's it. After now, it's gone. <clears throat> you don't, don't leave the chair until you and God are choice. It's right. Then you come up and you take that communion and you look for a brother who can't get out of a seat yet. And you help him. And then you look for a brother who can't get out of a seat yet. And you help him. Twelve men turned the world upside down. We got three times that many here. You can radically change your life, radically change your family, radically change your world, radically change everything around you. All you got to do is surrender, lay it down, lay the garbage down tonight, lay all the, all the hoopla down tonight, lay everything down tonight, confess it, come up, receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, tell him, proclaim to him, I'm following you, it's you and me till the wheels fall off. And tomorrow, Weston is going to tell you what you got to go do now. But you can't get to what you got to go Until you come. Tonight you got to come. Tonight you got to come. You got to hear him. You got to answer the call. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just give you praise. We come before you, Lord Jesus. I pray that your spirit would move in this place. God, I know we're tired.